0: This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek, show number 475, recorded on January 14th, 2021. On Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from a blustery, Mike blustery, like you can hear the wind blowing out there. Blustery, blustery Bellevue, Nebraska. We got to bring up the, well, as we talk about this, I thought it just would be a good idea this is kind of what's sitting over us right now. Are you getting, are you getting, uh, we don't have any snow yet, but it's coming, right?
1: No, well, yeah. But I was in my basement today and I could hear the wind. And for me to be in my basement and hear the wind, it was windy. And I always get really worried about my ham radio uh, makeshift antenna mast on top of my okay. house. I can hear it creak going. Aah. I'm like, th- that thing's going to end up just punching a hole through my roof at some point.
0: Well, hopefully, in, it doesn't do your roof or your neighbor's roof, right? That yeah, would be kind right. of unfortunate to, to that. So you kind of worried about those things. And we have high wind warnings and blizzard warnings for tonight, I think, going in tomorrow. I think you mentioned they've already canceled school. They did,
1: yeah, because our, our boys, uh, the Montessori daycare that they go to follows the public school that they're in, and, and they already closed. And so they sent out a message like, wow, we didn't expect them to close this early. I mean, there hasn't been a drop of snow yet. But I think it's just like you said, oh, uh, you know, the the low temps, high winds, kids at the bus stop, not good.
0: Pretty good indication. This was a storm that blew through Oregon and Washington a couple of days ago and just devastated the place. So they're kind of like, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, a lot of energy in the storm. And so they're kind of just anticipating on that. But, you know, what's not scary. is the show notes. So you can get world-class show notes each, each time out at theaverageguy.tv. This one, go to theaverageguytv slash hgg 47 Five big thanks to our friends over at HelloFresh we've been talking about. It. It's the month of January, Mike. It's a good time to kind of rethink your cooking. And, of course, I asked Sarah the other night. We were sitting down. I was like, how long have we been doing HelloFresh? And we couldn't decide it had been two or three years that we've been doing this. Maybe two, maybe. I feel like yeah. it's been two. Okay. I think I think so, too. Yeah. But uh, as we were eating some some hot, spicy meatballs on rice with some With some cooked green beans and ginger, and oh my gosh, it was was super good. So if you're, it's the beginning of the new year and you're struggling, you're like, like if you say, you know what, my food sucks, and it's okay if you do, because it it does for a lot of people. They just don't kind of figure it out. Um, Get some of it done for you. You don't have to take it all in in one shot. You can get a couple bucks off. Head out to theaverageguy.tv/slash/hellofresh and get that taken care of. And uh, we appreciate them helping. Uh, And it helps me. It just makes this box cheaper for us to buy uh, as well. And then, of course, big thanks to our Patreon subscribers. And so if you, if you, you know, Tim and Ed and Aaron and Joe and Jim and Ross and Andy and John and Ed and Ryan and Justin and John and Brian, Dwayne and Nathaniel, Oh, and Paul, Paul Burns, there's yeah. at the end. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, doing what you do to support us here on Patreon. Uh, if you support us at $5 or more a month, I'll throw your name on this list as well. I want to thank you, you guys, kind of make it all happen. And I'm kind of, you know, Mike, we, we do this Patreon meetup from time to time, and I haven't, I haven't liked the format of it. It's just, it's not my favorite. So I'm looking for something different. Like I kind of want to think through, like if we were going to do it. So Patreon subscribers, I, I really want to hear from you. If if you're kind of thinking, I like to try something new, something different. Kind of zoomed out in a lot of ways. I think everybody else is too. Just to get together for a Zoom call. So uh, if you got some ideas, send them to me, Jim at theaverageguy.tv. Something you want to do, something different, and then just everybody jumping on a call. Love to hear about it. Send me an email, Jim um, at theaverageguytv. But we appreciate our Patreon subscribers and all that they do for us. Mike, we, um we've kind of had a media week <laughs> between the two of us, right? Uh, we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit. I dropped it in our Discord group. So if you're the average TV slash Discord, you can join that group. And um I've been listening to Josh and Richard over at Entertainment 2.0, and they're just big channel fans right now. And I've been a Plex guy forever. Like, I've been on Plex and They have both left Plex and have gone full-on to channels. And I've heard it, I listened to their podcast sporadically during the pandemic. But um, in the last couple, in the last week or so, I've probably caught up to where they're at. And I just thought, you know, I need to give this channels thing kind of a look. Before we talk about that, though, let's talk a little bit about the state of Plex, where Plex is today as we think about all the things they've done, you're still kind of doing Plex. Talk a little bit about your Plex setup.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say I am I am a PowerPlex user. We utilize Plex to its fullest, uh, have a massive library over there. Um, I use the share feature to share with family. Uh, I mean, we we fully utilize Plex. And so I closely monitor every single update. And I am an update junkie, right? I run updates because the way I run my Plex servers on Unraid. So I run it in Docker on Unraid, got a bunch of storage over there. So I am constantly updating that Docker. I don't hold back. I you know, I I don't wait to see if the update's gonna be stable. So I've experienced the ones where it's oh that broke something and that didn't. But, you know, my experience with Plex lately has been that kind of the same thing you had mentioned. So as far as movies, TV shows, any of the media I own that I put on there works fantastic, right? I mean, I it's been a rock star for me. I think the key for Plex is really making sure you give it enough of a beefy computer to run it, especially when you're doing transcoding. Um, I have gone through the iterations of running Plex on different machines. And I'm once I settled it on raid, which, you know, isn't a super beefy computer, but it's still an I seven 3770. I mean, that's, that's a decent CPU for just doing transcoding. Uh, And, you know, I've, I've, Pulled graphics cards in and out and had dedicated hardware transcoding, which helps a ton. Um, if you've got an extra GPU to throw in there, I mean, that just makes it almost flawless from in my opinion. Uh, but the way I've been running it, that works great, but they've had always had this kind of interesting dvr feature that is is good bad it's inconsistent is my problem with it and so what i've experienced with that is so with the nvr feature you need something like an hd home run which jim and i both run uh, and that device is going to obviously you know take your coax in from your antenna and put it on the network right something plex can capture and that works okay but the guide service has been, I think, the part for me that has been lacking. And my biggest issue with it is the guide looks different depending on what device you're accessing it from. And that's gotten better. I will say they've kind of gotten a more unified guide now. Uh, but throughout the process, if I pull it up on NVIDIA, it's perfect and great. And I love the setup on the NVIDIA Shield because it's an actual guide, like the old school guide. Xbox, it wasn't though. And, and so it's kind of wonky. But with I mean, I think the kind of the big announcement here is that Plex did announce that their back end channel guide service is changing. So I can't remember the exact details. If you go out to the blog from Plex, you can kind of read the, in more in depth on the detail.
0: Or but log essentially in, log into your Plex instance and there's a there's a a warning. big warning. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, so this is one of those things. A lot of people have said it and forget it, right? You have your recording set in there and you've never opened it up and looked at it. Be sure you do, if you are a Plex user using the DVR, that integration is it what the 16th gym? Do they say it's going to stop working?
0: Yeah, well, no, it officially stopped being supported on the first. It, oh, it did okay. That they're assuming you get two weeks of data. So you get you're going to get right. data through the 14th. Oh, that's today. Mm-hmm. So chances are by the time you're listening to this, if you're not listening live, you probably are not getting guide data, which means you could be missing recordings. At this right, point. right. And so they they switched their
1: provider, and so you do need to completely delete. And re-add your dvr which does mean you're going to lose all your recording settings which is unfortunate uh they said they tried to look through everything to see if they could port that over but it's they weren't able to so you're gonna to have to go back in and add in your shows that you want recorded but apparently it's going to solve a lot of the issues with recordings and recordings not happening at the right times live tv weird issues so you know that's to be seen um for us, I, although I said I'm a power user, we do record with the Plex NVR. It's hit or miss on whether that's... My wife mainly uses that service. It's hit or miss whether she just pops up YouTube TV and watches the recording there or Plex. She hops back and forth. Um, if I am watching network TV, I'm watching it through Plex mainly to save bandwidth from... YouTube TV on our internet, right? Cause we, I don't have unlimited anymore. So I'm like, Hey, might as well. If I'm going to watch a network channel, I can just watch it locally and, and not take up any bandwidth. So I use that and the live TV has been working pretty well. Um, once I figured out to give it enough of a computer that that seemed to work a lot better. When I was running Plex on lower hardware, that live even, cause it does have to transcode it a little bit for each device. Didn't work out too well. Uh, But we'll kind of see if this update kind of brings those people who are complaining about it back. But Jim, I know your experience has been less than par you know it's been pretty yeah. subpar for compared to mine I, i'm just such a fan of it and i think maybe my fandom it makes me a little blind to putting up with some of the little quirks i'll admit that yeah. uh kind of like being an apple fanboy as well you know that same, that same that's thing. okay you, you got over that
0: you know but we, what we, issues well, well yeah yeah we got, we got you
1: to the good side so what issues though have you been having i mean did sarah ever fully adopt plex as your, oh, yeah. your, your, yeah. your yeah.
0: very much very much so she's you know, she is one that when she starts using something, she doesn't, she'll just keep using it. Now, we have it on uh, NVIDIA Shield. And so, and I have a, a one terabyte SSD that I have attached via USB inside a container that, um, it, you know, it does some checks to be like, Hey, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do something on an external hard drive, it has to be fast enough to support recording and transcoding and some of that capabilities. Pass all those tests. So hardware-wise, I think I'm fine. Um, it, it, it's, it's had weird problems where it's not recorded things it's supposed to, and we don't even, like, I don't even use any of the features like, you know, cutting out the commercials and, you know, some of, so I don't, you know, I don't create different versions of it for various, mm-hmm. you know, she, <laughs> she watches it. I should watch more TV, uh, but I don't, um, and I'll tell you why here in just a second, but she watches it. She records, I don't know, 12, 13 shows. So not a lot. Um, she records those to the uh, to the box and goes back and watches them. Couple things she doesn't like. One, if football gets in the way, and I know this is maybe not solvable by other things, but mm. it, it's not really smart about when programming changes, kind of right. Thing. So that those she gets a problem there. He miss recordings pretty regularly and and for no reason, you know, and now, <laughs> I taught her how to go under a phone and bring it up and just cast it <laughs> to the box. And so she's doing that now. But again, shouldn't have to, you know, shouldn't kind of have to do that. Um, For me, the live TV experience has not been good. Sundays, I want to come down here and I want to watch football. And I it, I it doesn't work right. It just doesn't pick up the channel half the time. It doesn't, I have to, <laughs> you know, I have to go through some gyrations and I just kind of give up. You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't. It, it just hasn't. That experience hasn't been great. It's been mediocre. She's been complaining about it a lot, and that's kind of why I've been thinking. Like, well, if there's a chance to move somewhere else, you know, um, uh, maybe now is the time um, to get it done. The other, the other kind of thing that pushed me over the edge was the the channel. Um, you know, the the guide data thing. I was like, oh, well, if I'm gonna delete them and reset them up anyway, yeah, we might, we might as well try channels. So just before, um. The show started. I heard her fire. I said, "Hey, have you looked at channels yet?" You know, and she's like, "Oh no, no, no! I'll do it tonight. I got some shows I want to watch Thursday nights." She gets to stay up late because she doesn't work on Fridays. So the first thing she was, she was like, "Oh, some on-screen, um uh, you know, where you can skip the intro. It's got an on-screen channels. Plex does too, by the way. Yeah, never. She never saw it. Like it never." Like again, not not a great Plex experience for her in that in that regard. And it really kind of should be. Now, listen, I heard when I put it that when I put that in the Discord group, I heard from plenty of you like, I'm a Plex fan, I'm staying a Plex fan, I'm not (laughs) doing anything else. You know what? You totally can. I I don't want you to do something different. I for me, Mike, it was just kind of thinking through like, what am I doing different or what am I doing wrong? What could I be doing different? And maybe it's time to try something uh, new. I set up channels on uh, Sunday. I set it up because I was coming home from church, listening to those to Josh and Richard. And I'm, like, I'm going to set this up now. So I set it up on the PC first. It's a five minute install, and it was working. Like it, fa- it found my 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 um, uh, tuners and configured them automatically. Like no. I didn't have to set up anything, you know. On Plex, you go in there, you got to find them, discover. It goes through some things. that scan download, the channels, uh, yeah. Scan. You got to do these things. Channels was flawless. Like it's just, it's almost like it knew. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's like I'm going to do all the things right that Plex doesn't do right very well. So then I came down here and and started running it. Now I ran it on a Core i3 530, so not a very powerful box. I'm doing some. You know, I'm doing some plotting with bit Bitcoin stuff, Chia Coin. So it's busy and it works just great. Got two f- got two windows going at the same time down here, no issues. Started setting up some recordings, no problem. In fact, the the channel guide. Let me let me just bring that up really quick as we kind of compare. And what I want to do is just spend a little time, might kind of compare and contrast on this. This is their channel guide. This is now this is the web version of it. The um. Boy, the, the uh, NVIDIA Shield version, the Android TV version, looks just like Plex. So if you, you know, it's got the channel guide and all those other kinds of things. But I like the web version of this better. Um, and it's simpler. Like, there, Plex, you got like 8,000 options. You can do a ton of, it's like Plex came out of the day, and this is what happened. Plex came out of a day when this stuff was hard. Yeah. Right? right? So it's got all this legacy stuff in there to help you. And I'm just not sure... You necessarily need all that stuff anymore. You know, come across here, what's on later. I've got a search capability in there. If I want to, if I just want to go in and search for that, my DVR setup and recordings that are there, Uh, things that have been recorded by that, if I want to click into it, I can just click on it. It'll bring me to it. Or if I have multiple episodes, it'll allow me to go, go into the recordings. And then I can see all the episodes that are there. So I think a really clean layout that, that, that allows you to kind of easily get to this information, both on PC, they've got an Android, they've got an app for both Android. I think you have to pay for that, but the iPhone one is free. And then, of course, the, you know, running this on your computer um, is free as well. If you want the DVR functionality, a lot like Plex, it's $8 instead of 5 Are you paying, did you buy, a, a lot of our folks that listen bought a Lifetime plex license yep i'm the same way okay and that that you know what that's a consideration like you probably spent you remember how much you spent for that uh i think
1: i got it on sale one year for like 150 bucks yeah but i've been running plex now for how many years yeah so instantly worth it
0: yeah no no judgment there just kind of um you know those are some things to kind of take but that was actually my
1: initial thought was that seems steep for just guide data Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, you know, I I know they're providing the software to do it, but I thought $8 a month, like, oh, man, that would actually, that would have been my uh, barrier to entry just because for Plex, I'm I'm okay paying the $5 because it gets me a lot of functionality that the free version doesn't, right, for the overall server. So that that was my only kind of like, oh, man, that seems a little expensive. Plus they charge for the apps. $25 $25 uh, for the Android app.
0: For Android, uh, uh, the iPhone app is free, I believe. Yeah. I I paid for that. It is. And then
1: Apple TV uh, 25, yeah. And then Android 25,
0: yeah, right. Um this is the conversation Sarah and I had about the about paying for this. So she said, "Oh, how much are you paying for Plex now?" I said 5. How much is channels? I said 8. <laughs> it's basically free. Like that yeah. that was that was kind of the conversation, you know, and you kind of go. Yeah. Okay, that kind of makes sense. So um, they do the same thing, by the way. They do exactly the same thing. If you're on Plex and it's working for you. The
1: layout does look a lot nicer. It, I, I will the, say that that was clean.
0: clean. Yeah, I think, I think I'd think i agree with you. Yeah, it's, I think it's worth checking out. You can do the free, you can try the free version, download it. It's supposed to integrate with your apps too. And I, this is one thing I haven't done is attach Hulu, attach um, the Amazon, you know, Amazon Prime, supposed to be able to attach those things and they show up for you mm. see and, that would be nice yeah well that's that's kind of my step this week is to- and this
1: sounds like a perfect solution for someone who doesn't run a full media server but still wants the over the air stuff right i think this like like this sounds great for someone like my parents who i, I set up a plex server for them and they like never use it um, I put all their movies on there for them and everything, and they're just, they don't, mainly because they have issues that they can't figure out, like goes to sleep, the computer goes to sleep and stuff like that. But this seems perfect for, hey, I don't want my movie, I don't have movies digitally stored. We use those online, yeah. uh, but we just want OTA. This seems like a great solution for that. Yeah, no, Much I can't. Much easier bring my, than setting up a full Plex server.
0: I can bring in my media on this as well. So it'll, it'll play. Oh, November's really? Week. we play so, movies and everything and uh, kind of uh, categorize okay. those? It will. So okay. I haven't, I haven't looked into that, but it was like, Hey, if you have Plex stuff, you can import it. I was like, Oh, now I, now I didn't, I didn't go that far. Cause I didn't want the, I didn't want the sins of my Plex stuff from the past to, to right. creep, to creep <laughs> in here. Uh, just getting going on it. So there's a lot to learn around this. I'm going to be spending probably the next month. The By the way, the first month is free. So you get full functionality the first month. And, oh, I just, here's, this was another uh, by the way, this is another thing that drives her crazy about Plex. It's hard to delete episodes when you're done. Like, it's, she just, that really, that, it never, she wants to be, when she's done watching it, go away. And, and that just doesn't happen. Now, maybe I don't have a setting, right? Yeah, there's a that, setting in there. That part never worked for us. They would always stay there. And so right now, live, I'm watching this. She just finished a show. It disappeared. Like, it was gone. It's like, oh. Okay, well, that kind of works. That kind of well, and again, Mike, this goes to the problem with Plex: is it's so comp? There's so many options, right? Yeah, yeah. This is I'm kind of hoping you know, and this is what companies do: is they start building this stuff, and then they listen to every little bit of advice or feedback they get, and then pretty soon it's a monster, and mm-hmm. you can't like you're like oh. You just can't find anything. And in then that.
1: channels just goes into the Plex forums and sees what everyone's <laughs> complaining about and like, oh, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that.
0: <laughs> you would, you would certainly hope so. Um it, it it it's just it's a problem. You know, I'm watching StreamYard go through this right now, or they keep now they have been really, really StreamYard what we're using to stream here. They've been really, really slow to adopt things and to add new features. Stability is their most important aspect of what they do. So they're really, they're really um about what they put out, but uh, they just got bought. Uh, Hopin, I think, is is a company that does event planning, and they just bought them for three hundred and fifty million dollars or something oh, like wow. that. Something yeah, those guys did all right. Uh, Gage and Dan did okay in that in that acquisition, but they were headed down that same path where they were getting more and more so you know, what allows us to do these banners, you know, the Patreon banners that are out there, the folks. And now that I started, I let it, got to let it go through all the way at least (laughs) one time. So everybody gets represented in that. Paul Breran, you're last on, so we'll wait for your name to come up. But um, they, uh, you know, they began to toy with some new capabilities that you're like, Okay, now how do I get that video in there? Or how do I stream that thing across? Or how do I get the background working just right? I think Plex suffers from that same kind of outgrowth in its old code. I mean, Plex has been around a long time, right? Super old code. You said it yourself on the Xbox; it's junk.
1: Like it's oh, it, it's it awful. Yeah. It's just
0: straight up bad. Like not, don't use
1: it. Um, and yeah, I would say, you know, with with Plex it's hard because they ha- also have things like the live TV that they're trying to do. Like they have their own offerings now of like their own movie collection, their own live TV stuff, which I just thought completely cluttered the app. It was all movies that no one's going to want to watch anyway. Um, at least that was my opinion of it. I, I don't know where they, I don't I, Hopefully they kind of reverse course on that. I honestly think it was just a, let's it's a CYA move for them for legality issues. Right, I think they were getting put into a corner of well, how do you promote putting any on here? Because any ownership of those movies would be in violation of some copyright, right? Because that means they ripped it off a of, uh, Blu-ray, which technically you're not supposed to do. Um, so I think they had to be like, well, no, 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 like we offer this other stuff. Like what our users do with the rest, but now we focus on bringing licensed content in. So I think that was their intent there. But the other thing, Jim, is, you know, you shouldn't have to spend time A B testing, but I would be very curious to A B test running Plex on, you know, the machine you installed channels on compared to the Shield. Cause I've heard this the others who I've heard that have ran it on the Shield have been having the same sort of issues as you. Mm. Um, and I think they just that partnership between them was a good idea. And maybe for a very, very low power user who's not using things like live TV, just like, hey, I have some movie files that I'm watching, it could work. But I think the shield is. Nowadays, maybe a little underpowered for being the server itself.
0: Well, I already did it so that it didn't stay on the PC long. It didn't I, work? Uh, no, no, no. I, on Sunday, so I installed on the PC first, got it all working. And then I'm like, okay, this has got to go on the shield. So I deleted it off the PC and I took it out to the shield and installed it. And we're running it from the shield. Right? Oh, you're running channels from the shield. Yeah, we're running channels. Oh, from and I, it works well. Plex and channels running from the shield. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, so far, I, well, okay, we're going to find out because there's the power user. I watched a couple football games on Sunday with it. I watched a few recordings. I'm a big This Old House fan. So I recorded a few episodes of those. I went back and watched them. No issues there. Um, I, I did have some recording issues, but that was because of that. I was trying to record an Iowa station. Yeah, a little too far away. A little too far away. You could see the digital little digital pixelization. Yeah, uh, shows that come off so far, and I'm going to get some feedback from her here because uh, she's watching the shows as we speak. But um, yeah, no, it's running on Plex, so I'm going to do the A/B testing and get check out the wife acceptance factor. Uh, right, in the next couple weeks and be like, hey, does this work? Because it's just simpler. I mean, it, it, yeah. it really is. It's just for the for, listen for the average guy. Plex setup is easy. Channels is way easier. <laughs> You know, it just is, it, it's, it's just not as complicated.
1: Oh, and, and, and my wife does not watch live TV on Plex. And I think she's mentioned before, it's just a little more complicated for me to get to what I want than YouTube TV, right? Like our other, cause we want all the cable channels for like Creighton basketball games and all that stuff. So we have YouTube TV and that's her go-to. So I can definitely see your point. Like the, and that's what I think I mean is like, if you're not, if you don't need the full benefits of a Plex server for all the other things it offers, um, this could be a, a great option yeah, for, for right. just over the air.
0: I, I love that combination of an NVIDIA Shield and uh, an SSD drive uh, on USB. It's just a super fat. It it's dedicated. I'm not going to a, I'm you know, I'm not going on an Unraid box that may be transferring files. You know, I, it may be trying to do some backups, you know, yeah. some of those kinds of things, or it's not taking up. I even thought I was going to put it on, I have a little Atom box here that, you know, an older PC and I was going to, even put it on that with some storage, maybe pointed at the Drobo. And that's like, No, I'm going to, it's going to go on Shield. This is, it's, that's kind of where it belongs. That's, that device has got some pretty good hardware in it for doing some of this stuff. And it should, it should handle it just fine. So, um, you know, I've, I've done the PC days where I've set these media servers up on PCs. Then you got massive updates. And, you know, it's just one of those things like, No, I'm not going to do it on a PC. So, We'll get a good test. We'll talk about it over the next couple of weeks. We probably won't talk about it every show, but, uh, um, but definitely, I mean, channels is a contender and the fact that uh, Richard Gunther gives it a thumbs up. Like that's really what convinced me. I mean, Richard's a hard ass on some of these things. If it's not easy, if it doesn't work and he, that dude watches a ton of TV. I don't know how he finds time. I think he has it on in the background, right? Uh, but he watches a ton of TV. Uh, if it's coming from him, it I works of, that's kind of what convinced me. Yeah. Everybody else is like like you said, i think, like, "Ah, I'll give it a pass, you know, it's okay. I'm just a super user." No, Richard's going to if he doesn't like it, he's going to tell you doesn't like it. And uh and so I was just like, "You know, I can I need to give this a shot." So uh we we've got some work to do. I've got some work to do to kind of test it. I just don't Mike I just don't watch enough TV. That's the problem. Yeah, I don't, I need I I know it sounds weird, but like, I need to watch more TV.
1: (laughs) Well, and and it's funny because for, for my, for my users that I share my Plex server with one of their favorite, like the, the most watched stuff is the things they have coming off the NVR. So they tell me, hey, can you add a recording for this show, this show? So all the almost all the shows on there, I'm not the one who watches them. Mm-hmm. And they're all remote users outside the house, watch them over the internet connection. And they love it. Like I have become the over the air essentially person for them because they just now Plex doesn't allow you to let remote users watch live, which I think makes total sense because they'd be using up one of your tuners um, and it could mess up your recordings. But, um, you know, all those over-the-air stuff, that records, and then that's just how they access it, and, and they love it. But, again, I think it comes down to what do you need, right? What services do you need? And, you know, if that shield works for you, that is a nice, tiny, compact, dedicated thing. And if if it's got enough horsepower for the amount of transcode you're doing, uh, then, then, yeah, it's a perfect little box. I have fallen in love with those just from a media consumption device we have now uh, both of our main tvs that we watch stuff on we've switched over to nvidia shields um, and they've been flawless like it's my favorite playback device yeah my kids even know how to run it and that that says something and the remote is usable for the kids like you want to tell my kid how to use an apple tv remote they'd be like no way this things i can't even figure out how to use an apple tv remote
0: yeah joe i'm just using the shield tv not even the pro on mine. So um, it's whatever the $129 one, I think that was the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV. It's the one that looks like a jet engine, not a jet engine, a jet, like a stealth fighter Mm -hmm. in there. They have some new ones that are out as well. If you buy anything newer, of course, you're going to get some updated equipment on it. Um, So, yeah, so we'll give it, we'll we'll give it a spin. Mike, I mentioned last week um, that I had bought a new cage for my Unraid box. And I I showed it on the show. It's an icy dock cage. The box is too far away. Um, uh, Three hard drive cage goes in a, in a two, five and a quarter inch uh, bay. Really nice because it, you know, kind of gets you some space back. There's no doors on this cage, by the way. You just jam the hard drives in and they're just right there, which is kind of cool because you can label them. And you don't have, you're not opening a door. Uh, you also like with you, you have kids hanging around. So maybe, yeah. Uh, How does it, it keep pressure on the drives to keep them? Make sure they're. It's like, it's like friction in there. Mm, when you okay. slide it in, it just kind of slides in and they just don't, they don't go anywhere. It's actually in the week I've been using it.
1: To get them out, do you have to push from the backside or no. could you pull
0: them out from the front? Just pull them out from the front. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. You literally just grab them and just pull them <laughs> and they come they come right out. This is this is a forty five dollar cage. We're not talking about, you know, this is not the uh, the MIT of of hard drive docs. Like this is this is a budget one, and you it it installed super easy. Did I mention it was forty five dollars? It installed super easy. It's it you know it comes it came with three SATA cables, which was super cool. You have three cables that come out, two power that come in. It's got lights on the front. It listen, if you're looking for a budget drive cage. It's a pretty good one for forty five bucks. So, um, uh, I'll throw a link in the ch- in the uh, in the show notes for it. But I thought, okay, while I'm doing this. I'm going to upgrade my RAID box, and so I've been slowly finding all the one terabyte drives <laughs> in the house and set up the um, set parity as a one point five, and then set set up four one terabyte drives in there. And man, that was fun. I mean, it was kind of like solving puzzles because. I had to get those drives. I had little, I had little laptop drives in there to begin with. Right. Yeah. And so I had to swap those wouldn't go in the cage. So I couldn't just put the cage in and put those in and then start swapping things. I had to kind of put the cage in, put some things in, jam them in some jankety <laughs> positions to kind of hold things on. Right. And then you're doing it like Mike does. Like I do things. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> kind of. Uh, learn from you. Um, But come on, if you're listening to this, you've done this before. And then oh, I yeah. had to start it up and it would say, okay, I didn't find this drive. Oh, there's a new drive. And so you would re-sign it. And then I'd have to build that drive from Parity. Mm-hmm. I know I did that four times and it worked every single time, which was, I mean, the great thing about Raid. Talk about Drop Dead Simple and rebuilding Parity, uh, rebuilding your drives. I mean, if I can do that and I can do it four times in a row successfully, it's freaking saying something. It about, works really well. Oh, yeah. So it's a little long. Like, the process, because you're rebuilding those drives. So one terabyte drive, four hours. So I'd put it in, get it rebuilding, walk away for a while, right? But um, got it up and running. All the apps still continue to work. Like, I got super proud of myself. When I got it, I was like, holy cow, I did not nuke this thing. Because usually I nuke it, right? That's right. the, uh, you get, you get in the middle of this thing and kind of nuke it. So, um, uh, so the next step, I I am making it kind of a Chia server for this, this plotting that we're doing. So some files are going to go on it. But I really need to get Home Assistant kind of back on it as well. You've, you've done some things around that. Talk a little bit about your Home Assistant slash RAID stuff that you've been working on.
1: Yeah, so we talked, uh, I think it was last week, We I did mention that I ended up getting those little remote sensors, the Zigbee sensors that I'd ordered from China finally came in. And I had just kind of started playing with them last week, and I was reporting they were working pretty well. Uh, you know, I've kind of really fallen more in love with those in the past week, but I also had an issue that I needed to solve for. Um, so I figured if any of you guys are having the same issue, and the issue I had was, you know, obviously. The Zigbee USB stick that I got for my home assistant was the really cheap $3 one. It doesn't even have an enclosure. It looks like if you have a USB thumb drive and you took off the plastic and you just see the actual chip and the USB. I mean, that's what this thing looks like. It is like bare bones. It was 3 bucks from China uh, for a little Zigbee controller. And so that thing obviously doesn't have a huge antenna. I mean, the antenna is built into the chip, so not that big at all. So, I mean, as you guys can guess, range was an issue for me. And especially because I had it, I'm running Home Assistant on my Unraid server, which is in a big, tall industrial server rack. I got, you know, from surplus, a company going out of business. So that's a lot of metal around that thing. Plus, where my server rack sits is right below where all my main air conditioning ducting runs. So I mean, all, there's a lot of metal, and I didn't need. I don't have many sensors on this basement level; they're all upstairs. Um, so the signal signal was okay, but there would be times where it wouldn't trigger. I could tell it was just too far away. It was kind of like Jim was talking about earlier with uh, TV coverage. When you're just too far away, you're going to get you know some errors. So you know I was trying to figure out a few different solutions. That. So there's two things I was going to bring up. One is a really kind of just cheap and simple solution. And that was I got a 15 foot USB extension cable. So I got a 15 foot USB extension cable plugged into the back of the Android box, ran the cable all the way up and out of the server rack. And since I'm in an unfinished basement, I just tucked it up into one of the Little the joist, right? And just nailed it up there. And so now that sits essentially right at floor level for my upstairs level. And that helped a ton. Like that alone, getting it out of the server rack, especially if you have one of the cheap controllers, uh, really helped. But I think the other one that's probably more applicable to everyone here, if you're running Zigbee devices you can actually get certain Zigbee devices that act as essentially repeaters. I think the word they use in Zigbee language is actually routers. I think they're all routers, but I'll just call them repeaters just for the sake of uh, ease. So certain devices, the ones that are going to be plugged in all the time, not running off battery, can act as repeaters. So um, if you guys look at the show notes there, uh, we'll put the link. But I found these little smart plugs. And let's see, what is the brand on these? I was going to look at it real quick. Um, CMARS, so C M A R S, uh, smart plugs from Amazon, super cheap, 23 bucks for two of them. And these are the ones that will actually act as a repeater or an extender as they call it here. And what's really cool is I'll, I'll actually, um, pull it up as I'm talking here, but in home assistant, when you get it up and running and you do it via Zigbee to MQTT, which is the recommended way to get Zigbee integrated into home assistant, Let me pull it up here and show you. It's really cool because share screen. Okay, here we go. Okay, so when you do the ZigBee to MQTT integration, it's actually not integration. It's uh, one of the add-ons. If you go to open web UI here, you can see the different devices that I have that are connected in via ZigBee. And it actually automatically pulls in. So that's exactly what the motion sensors look like and here's the plug. So I have one of the plugs installed. And here is, this is essentially the signal strength. So the higher the number, the better in this column. Now for me, I did the I ordered the extension cable and the repeater at the same time. And I found out the extension cable for me was actually the solution. Just getting it up and out of that thing was fine. But what you can do is you can go to this map and you can load the map. And what this does is it shows you your different devices and how they're connected so right now you can see that all of my devices are actually natively connecting in to the hub so i was playing around with this a little bit and i was testing it so um, i moved one of these devices really far away into a place i don't need it but i moved it far away Um, and then what it showed in the map was it was connecting to the router and then back in so it was connecting over to this plug and then the plug in which so it's kind of cool how you can go in and see and it shows you a signal strength here you can see like how they're all connected. So if you had a really advanced Zigbee configuration, if you have these devices all over a house, especially a two-story house, getting a few of these plugs and plugging one in on the main level, maybe one in on your basement level, uh, could really help out when it comes to getting connection to to all your different devices. But it was just a really kind of interesting, I had not played around with Zigbee. I'm sure a lot of you have um you know if you're into zigbee you're into zigbee but this is kind of dipping my toe into it and it's weird because i came at this from a home assistant first perspective like the first time i'm playing with zigbee is Home assistant right where a lot of other people i think have been using the proprietary whether it's you know samsung or, or they've been using other hubs outside of home assistant and then they're trying to integrate zigbee into home assistant whereas i see this almost as like a native integration for me uh, i have never used any of the other third-party applications the first time these devices connected to anything they were connecting to home assistant and it just it works so well so now jim i have Uh, one in our hallway that leads from my kid's room kind of into the main because he comes out of his bed a lot at night and it's just so dark and that's where all the shoes are stored and he's constantly tripping over stuff. So now I just have a motion sensor. The two lights in the hallway are hue lights. And when he comes out, it just turns those up to 25%. And then it turns them right back off after it stops sensing motion. And my wife really loves that also in the laundry room because she's like, it's because we are notorious for forgetting to turn off the laundry room light. And it's a big overhead light. And that is done with the TP-Link smart switch. So you walk in, it turns on. And as soon as it stops sensing motion, it turns it off. Um, And it just, it works great for now controlling, especially energy spend, things like that. And just convenience of not having to remember to turn that stuff off. Uh, It's been working really well. So those repeaters and extension cable Kind of two little suggestions if you're having range issues on your Zigbee, and I'm no. guessing there would be the same thing for Z-Wave, but I'm not 100% sure.
0: It's good to know the specialty of those because you you may not know that right off the bat. Like that that may not be intuitive, but nice, yeah, nice to know that. I I mentioned last week, so you're talking about lighting. Uh, I mentioned last week I had ordered a little $12 LED light about this big. Yeah, by the way, LED you don't need much. Like no, <laughs> freaking bright, and they use very little power. Right and um uh, so uh it came in and so two screws up in the garage and then i took that tp link plug that i had plugged it in took the motion sensor on the echo flex plugged that in so now i have i have the lady in the garage and set up when instead of when you sense motion turn the light on and then when you don't sense motion for 5 minutes turn it off you do that in the amazon app oh so, really Super That's easy. cool. Like, okay. Yeah. Like super easy. Cause it was, I had this thought as we've been talking about home assistant, I was like, you know, I, I running home assistant for some things and then I've taken it down. I'm trying to do the, what you're doing with the version you're running it on. Cause I'm running a different version than you're running. Right. Yeah.
1: You're running the Docker version, yeah. which does not have uh the supervisor, which lets you do add ons. So you would need to spin up a VM on your
0: Unraid box instead of running it in Docker. So I, I, I'll probably need to call you to figure that out. But I was thinking, like, so what's an average guy thing on this? Like, if you can't run Home Assistant, holy cow, the, the power that's inside the Amazon app for the A-Lady, I won't say it because it'll set everybody's off, yeah. um, is really good now. And you, you've got that kind of granular control to say, hey, when you get this, so I bought that motion sensor, just plugs right into the bottom of the Flex. And then on the app, whenever it senses motion, it just says, I sense motion. And then I don't sense motion. And so you can do some stuff with that. So open the door, senses motion, light comes on. Or you can say, hey, A-Lady, turn the garage light on, and it comes on. Or turn it off, right? Yeah. And so we're kind of covered there. Like, I mean, it's stuff I already had. It's stuff I already knew. I didn't have to set up a big, you know, I didn't have to set up Home Assistant to get it done. I could do it right inside. So I had that thought uh, on Sunday. I was like, you know, I wonder if I can compete with Mike and be like, everything you do at Home Assistant, I can do in the A-Lady in the, Yeah. You know, and because and, I really like that. It Again, I think that's more of an average guy solution than what we're doing with Home Assistant. I think that's right. a little more advanced. Although Home Assistant's dropped dead easy, too.
1: Yeah, like it's, it really it's is.
0: Not, it's not that hard. Yeah. No.
1: And I think you bring up a really good point because, Jim, I was in the same boat where... You may, just whatever is easiest, utilize that option, right? So I use Home Assistant for things that I can't accomplish anywhere else. But for example, when I did this new background that I got, you'll notice there's blue light shining down. Well, all that, that's a, it's a hue light that's shining specifically in a certain direction. Um, and during the day for work, that's actually more of a yellow color. But I was like, hey, for podcasts, I kinda wanna set the mood a little different and have it blue. And I was trying in Home Assistant to figure out just how just literally Thursday at seven turn that thing to blue. But changing color and hue and home assistant is I was I was I was like, wait, this is I've literally spent two minutes too long on this when I can just go to the Hue app and Hue has a routine that I'm, you know, I already have to have the hub for Hue anyway. I just set the routine Thursday at seven, turn it Thursday at 10, turn it back to the other color. And I was done. And I, it was a good reminder to myself to always just utilize the easiest option. There's no, you don't get a trophy for utilizing one system for everything, right? I, I know as much as we all like to think you do, uh, you don't, you know, Jim, the other example of that is exactly like you said with a lady, if you guys remember the uh, the set the mood scene that I talked about last week, where since I have a TP link switch on my fireplace, it turns off the lights in the living room, turns on the fireplace, and starts to play smooth jazz out of A-Lady. Uh, well, that was just easiest to do in A-Lady, right? Because home assistant integration with playing music to a certain device in your library and blah, 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 blah. I had that set up in two seconds on A-Lady and figuring out how to do that in home assistant. I'm like, I don't need to. I already have those ecosystems in the house. Now, if for some reason in the future, I want to get rid of an ecosystem, yeah, then let's start to figure out different ways. But I, I mean, I do automations all over the place. It is starting to become, I might need a, a classic gym Excel sheet for where I keep each automation, just to remember like, wait, the lights aren't turning on at night. Where's that automation? Because what, what, I need to figure out where it's broken, what well, something's broken here. Uh, but, but I think I've got it pretty much unified down to home assistance, my core, my go-to. If there's something else that involves an A-Lady device, uh, then typically that's where that's at. Or if it's a Hue light, now I know that a lot of those are going to be over. If it's changing a color, it's going to be in the Hue light. If it's just turning them on or off or to a certain percentage, uh, then we put it in Home Assistant.
0: You know, that's a really good way to divide that because there are in sometimes in the app, there's some more functionality in there. It's just easier to than it is in some of the integration pieces. Yep. Uh, But you're right. I got a bunch of comments Last, last week. I mentioned that spreadsheet that I built for all the hard drives. Um, listen, that's surprisingly helpful when you need to like, Okay, wh- what is that drive? And how fast is it? And like, what's the last test on it? I mean, I'd love for that spreadsheet to be a service, not just a spreadsheet where it's constantly, you know, like, once a day, it pings the hard drives. And it's like, Hey, what are you? How are you? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about yourself? Now, I'm sure that in the enterprise space. I'm sure this exists. I just don't want to buy an enterprise piece of software. Yeah, <laughs> you know, type of deal. So, man, that's you know that's something that needs to get on home automation is your hard drives. Like, imagine if they had a little if you could connect to them and they would tell you space and I, I mean, I connected our printer. You know, I bought one of those seven dollar HP printers that you can get at Walmart. That's mm-hmm. super cheap. I little. I think it was twenty five bucks. Just to be honest. Now, the printer ink is a million dollars, but, you know, you, you you give, it's actually, I think printer ink prices have come down a little bit, just to be honest. Like, I, I I think the gig is up on that thing. But I had attached that to Home Assistant, and I got this message from Home Assistant. It was like, hey, your printer ink is low. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, it was monitoring it for me and let me know. Sure enough, it was down to 20%, and Sarah ran it out of the other 20% before I could get to Walmart <laughs> and get a replacement for it. But you could do that in the, okay, this is this is kind of the reverse of this. I could do that in the HP app on my phone if I wanted to. But I'm not, ne- why would I ever be in my HP app? Like, why would I ever grant that thing access to my phone, to be honest? It could alert me. That would be much better done in Home Assistant. Right. Right? Yeah.
1: Dashboard. Yeah. I mean, getting anywhere you don't need third-party access. I mean, obviously, the big benefit of home assistant sometimes is that you don't even need access to the cloud. But even for home assistant, for all of the other ones that you could run all the other software, typically it's a lot of times going to ping the cloud service, right? It's going to try and do it locally if it can, but if it can't, it's going to need cloud. So yeah, I mean, I try my biggest thing like you Jim is eliminating all the extra apps on your phone. Okay, right. Like the less of those I have, the better. Um so now if all I need is Hue, A Lady, and home assistant and really the Hue app, I really access just to set up the routine and then done. I could probably delete it uh, off most of my devices. I open it up just to set up that, and that was the first time I'd open that app in probably a year. Um, but you're just carrying like,
0: those down. That app is like a set of Allen wrenches. You use them for a very specific purpose, and you really. Oh, yeah. have- it once a year, my home assistant
1: app is my garage door opener because I tap that NFC card code in my car and then it just pops up. I hate how, by the way, this is just a gripe. Why does Apple make us tap the notification when you have an NFC tag that you click? Like Android, for my Android fellow parts, if they just tap their phone on it, they would then they could just literally tap it and throw the phone on their seat and it would do whatever it was supposed to do. For me, it's tap then look at it, tap the notification, it launches home assistant and then my garage door closed. It's just like, it's such an unnecessary thing. Like the whole point of NFC is like that quick, easy, I don't need to confirm or I get the security risk there. But once I've done it once, say, hey, in the future for this specific NFC tag, do you want me to just do that in the background? I'd be like, yes, please. Just yeah, it would like, be conf- nice confirm it the first time, right? Because maybe I don't. I don't want my phone automatically doing things as I'm walking around and getting close enough to NFC stuff. I get it, but give us the option to turn that off after we yeah. trust a sticker. It thinks you're an intruder and it shocks. you. Yeah, it does. Uh,
0: yeah. Tony says uh, used my printer for weeks after the initial warning. Um, I, I was hoping to as well, but Sarah was <laughs> not printing that day. She literally took it. Now it was one of those little budget. You know, you for fifteen dollars you can get like this will print like three sheets of paper. You can get that from, from Walmart. And that's what I had in there, because we weren't doing a lot of printing. So why am I going to buy one of the big ones, right, where it's like $400 an ounce. So I, I, so she started printing and she brought a piece of paper back and she was like, Should it look like this? And I'm (laughs) like, Nope, home assistant just told me you ran out of ink. (laughs) And I got to go. I said, I can order one. This was funny. So I said, I can order one on Amazon. Have it here tomorrow. She's like, I need to print today. Well, going to Walmart. Right? Mm-hmm. Down the street, fortunately, we have a Walmart really close. Down the street, popped in there. Nobody in the electronic section at, during a pandemic at 10 in the morning. So got the guy, get told it to me for, I think it was 23 bucks. I don't think it was terribly expensive. Slapped that in there. She printed two papers and has uh, two sheets and hasn't printed anything since. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you'll be ready for the next wave of printing. Universe. Well, It's just funny, Mike, because printers are the last thing on my mind. Like when it comes to technology, we used to talk a ton about printers and, and, and all those kinds of things. And I used to have a big sat right up here, a big printer. It was an HP printer scanner, did duplex. Like it was fancy. And uh, like, I I couldn't remember the last time I even thought about a printer until she had to work from home and print some things.
1: Yeah. Same here. Um Hannah's usually the most cause she now when she started her teaching gig, uh that's when I got cause I set up the Raspberry Pi as a cup server for our because we have our favorite printer we will never get rid of is an old HP laser jet. And it prints so fast. Prints double sided, cranks through pages, uh, but obviously no network connectivity. This thing's, I don't even know what year this thing was made. So we just plug that into a Raspberry Pi, run cups on there, and now it's a network printer. We can even print from our iPhone. The iPhone just picks it up as a printer, uh, super easy. But isn't it funny, Jim, how I didn't even think about the printer stuff until Home Assistant suggested it? It's like, hey, we found this on your network. I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice, right? It wasn't, I don't think either of us would have thought, hey, we should connect our printer in. And then it's like, oh, with that suggestion, I did miss one question from Brian. I'm assuming he was, this was back when I was talking about Zigbee. He asked, could we potentially extend uh, them outside, say, if you have a big yard? I think you totally could. Um, You know, I think it really just depends on how many extenders you have, what kind of hub you have. If you have the one that I have, the super cheap one without antennas, you will probably just need maybe a repeater or two. Uh, but the range has been pretty darn good from what I've seen. I'm just, I was initially just shocked I could get connectivity a floor above with no antenna and just a little USB stick. Because um, the antenna on the USB stick is just very, it's like a, a, one little wire on the chip. You can see it on the very end. Um, and I, I think. Uh, um, I think someone made a, I can't find it real quick, but someone made a comment. Of it. It's my radio, ham radio coming out of me. Uh, oh, it's was Ron. There it is. And I was like, yeah, a little bit. I got my antenna expectations. I'm like, you know, I could run a really big wire across the house for Zigbee devices. I could just make a massive antenna for this stuff.
0: A Zigbee. Like, wh- what's that wire? Uh, well, we hang clothes on it and it's a Zigbee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hannah actually asked that question. She goes, "You know, if you're gonna have this big ham radio
1: antenna in your back, like we should just lower it and be able to like hang our clothes on it." I'm like,
0: "Yeah, uh, right. Nobody hangs clothes anymore. Nobody, nobody does. We do. Do We're you? Not
1: outside. Inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We uh, we don't dry much. We we hang wow. dry almost everything.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah. Sarah's got some stuff back here that she she does that, but most stuff gets. Yeah, kids.
1: all the kids' stuff gets dried and some like that, but a lot of our like pullovers and shirts and stuff we just. Be hanged right.
0: We um was doing some uh, uh well so last week I mentioned some apps that were super helpful and we didn't spend a ton of time on them and I'm not going to do that now but there was two in particular I had that we didn't talk about last week uh that have great use to me and this week they have you know they're like those Allen wrenches <laughs> you only need them every once in a while but man when you need them you need them bad one was I was trying to figure out what kind of um what kind of RAM I needed. I was going to, I was thinking about maybe upgrading one of my older boxes and putting more RAM in it. And I was like, I, I've totally forgotten what kind of motherboard it, that's in there. Now, I should have a spreadsheet for that. <laughs> I know. Maybe yeah. I'll add. But Bellarc, uh, B-E-L-A-R-C, Bellarc is a inventory piece of software that I've been using for years. It goes all the way back to my time at the bank. So that would have been 90, no, that would have been like 2003. And uh, it's an inventory piece of software. And you download it and use it. Kevin Schoonover's talked about this every time he's on and talks about apps. He talks about Bellark. And one of the things Bellark does really well, it inventories your software, but it also inventories your hardware. And so it told me, Hey, this is your motherboard in there. This is what you got. I didn't have to go in and look. I didn't have to tear the box apart. didn't have to take it off the rack and bring it down. And then I was just able to copy and paste that and start looking, kind of looking at it. And it tells you what kind of RAM you have in what positions which is kind of nice. How many do you have? What's available there? Um, some of those kinds of things. So that was a really, um, as I was doing some inventories, I ran that on a couple different PCs just to kind of see, you know, without having to break the thing open, mm-hmm. told me what was in there. You can also do it in software inventory. And then um, another one that I, and I'm going to show this one, because I think we've all used this at some time or another. Let's uh, actually find the screen share. Um, Uh, But it's one of these kind of things that I come back to. I was a little worried about temperatures and some of those kinds of things. I've been running a bunch off the CPU and the GPU, just to be, just to be honest. And, um, and so CPU ID, it's a hardware monitoring tool. It's been around forever. But Mike, I think it's just one of those apps that just continues to work really well. They make some updates to it. It does its thing, right? They update it first. CPUs new CPUs that are coming out, new GPUs and stuff like that, but kind of breaks it down by temperature. I, I minimize some things. you can minimize the fans. I don't really care what speed my fans are running at. Uh, but if you if you did care, uh, utilization is there as well. This is also it'll tell you like what what's my CPU that's in there? Bell Arc will tell you that as well. but this again, this will get a little inventory like, oh, okay, what do I have in there? What kind of hard drives do I have? I talked about that ATTO. Um, uh, tool last week as far as doing a, a kind of a hard drive inventory and telling you kind of all the smart stats of your uh-huh. hard drive. This uh, CPU ID kind of gives you just a little overview, more temps and utilization and some of those kinds of things, but a pretty cool tool for just getting that quick inventory. And-
1: it's quick, right? That's exact. So my, when we built my mother-in-law's computer, my brother-in-law was like, well, should we install Rain Meter? Because him and I are huge Rain Meter people. We have those Rain Meters customized over on the side of our screen, and we love it. Uh, I'm like, you know what? She's never going to need to look at that. This is really just for us to make sure things are going okay. And so this is what we settled on, too. We just installed CPU ID on there. It gets quick and easy. It gets the information we want. We we're testing thermals, making sure everything was good. Yeah. Uh, and didn't need to go the full route of doing Rain Meter.
0: Yeah. And it's got min-max, and it keeps those until you delete them. Yep. And, you know, you can, so if you were going to run it, burn it in, do some things, you could, it's, the thing I like about it, it's total average guy. Like it, it's, you install it, you open it up. You don't need to know anything. You don't need to configure anything. You don't need to let anything have access to anything, which is a little scary, just to be honest. It finds yeah. everything and, and brings back um, kind of what I need is sometimes I just need to know, man, what's the model number of that thing? Like, what's the model in there? What did I put in there? What, what, what CPU is in there again? Right? Mm-hmm. What kind of RAM am I, did I, did I put in there? Um, I had to go. I couldn't remember uh, the, the, the RAM. I actually went back to my Amazon purchases first. <laughs> so That's what that. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I bought that RAM in like 2016, I think maybe in 2014. And I was like uh, going through and actually I couldn't remember the year. How did I think? Fi- oh, I went, okay, I went to the blog and I put that in to find out when I talked about it. And then I was like, Oh, I, we talked about this in 2014. Okay, I'll go back to Amazon to see the exact, is it still available now? No, of course it's not because it's old. So I went on eBay and it's not terribly inexpensive uh, to, to put in it. I did, Um, I have a laptop that I bought from work for like 50 bucks and it's a Core i5, uh, I want to say 6300. That could be wrong, but It's a mobile processor and came with eight gig of RAM, which today is really the minimum for Windows, just Mm -hmm. to be honest. So I did a quick, I was like, you know, I wonder if I could put eight more in there. So I went to the Dell site on it. It, it, it found itself and said, Oh yeah, you have this kind of thing. Here's the specs for it. So I went into the specs. Oh, found out that, yeah, it supports up to 16 gig. Uh, here is what you need to put in there, and then they had a teardown video, which was super cool on the site, a Dell site that showed you how to tear it down. Like, okay, take this off, take this part, and this. You know, they have things you can replace: battery, RAM, hard drive. That's got an NVMe in it, right? Um, SSD. Unfortunately, it's an M two SSD, not NVMe. Mm, it's an yeah, M2, uh, SSD. Oh, by the way, uh, just a quick correction: I do have a Shield Pro not the Shield TV. I said that, I, I said that earlier. Just, I'll sneak that in so I don't feel so stupid. But, um, so I took that serial number uh, and that, the, the model and the serial, and I went on eBay and they had, the, the 8 gig upgrade was 30 bucks. Well, you say yes to 30 bucks every time, right? Yeah. There's just no question. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to upgrade this laptop. Came in in a couple of days plugged from Nevada, not China, which was super cool. Plugged it in Spun it up, did mem test 86 on the thing and ran it for a couple, you know, it goes through a couple iterations. It's perfect. I was like, man, that's the best 30 bucks I ever spent. So, yeah, Yeah. I need to do that on a few of my old machines that are getting a little uh,
1: long in the tooth.
0: Yeah, you know, RAM, this may be a good time to get old RAM. I don't know why I've been looking on eBay and it's actually been fairly reasonable. So if you have a box that's three or four or five years old. Um, you know sometimes you go to buy that stuff and it's already out of life to the point where it's expensive. But you might want to check for your equipment, right? Run some inventories, look at some stuff. If you're running four, you're running windows on it. Hmm, it's probably a bad experience. At least eight old some older boxes, uh, check and make sure what you can actually upgrade to. <laughs> so yeah. have limits. I've got one that's got a sixteen, you know the laptop and other things have sixteen gigs. Um, some go to 32, some go to 64. But this may be a time, for whatever reason, I talked about this last week, um, man, if you need the hard drive space, and you're willing to go three and four terabyte drives, they're pretty reasonable, like 50 bucks, right? I mean, 40, 50 bucks to get three or four more terabytes of, of data. Yeah, worth it. You know, yeah, now, now may be a good time. So, if you're in that space and you didn't get it for Christmas, maybe now is the time uh, to do it. Uh, Brian says he just updated the RAM on his on his iMac, came with eight. Now he has 64. I
1: love the iMacs that have that little tray on the bottom where you could upgrade the RAM. I, that was back in the day. That's right on my iMac as well.
0: Mike says Bellark, an oldie but goodie. And, and and I used to know those guys over there at Bellark. They're out of Boston. And uh, worked with them uh, for a lot of years. Yeah, um, it's uh, that is pretty great. Um, Mike, uh, uh, we'll we'll wrap it with this. So I'm talking to Ed Sullivan on Sunday. We're lighting candles together, and he uh, says he bought the newest uh, I, the Pro iMac Pro. I is that what's the laptop? It's not. Yeah, yet. the MacBook Pro. MacBook Pro, the new yeah. one the with new the Pro. M1 chip. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for like you know fifteen hundred bucks. Like yeah. He goes, and and he benched it against, he's, now he's got the beautiful 5K from a couple years ago. You know, that's the big, it's the big Mac, whatever. The or, iMac? iMac, yeah. Yeah. 64, 64 gig of RAM, and it, it's beautiful. And he goes, they, best, they basically benchmark the same. Really? 16 gig of RAM, 64 gig of RAM, processor to processor, very similar benchmarks like, wow, that's how good. And I was like, <laughs> so I said, huh, maybe I'd be in the market for a new laptop. And he, well, goes, he goes, Oh my God. Like the world, the world will collapse at a singularity. Uyghur is all windows and you're buying a Mac. What the? <laughs> but as a
1: laptop, I think Jim, it would actually be a really good solution for you.
0: You know, there's a few things that, you know,
1: you have your I would never recommend you go to Mac desktop because when you sit down at that studio right there, you have your workflow, but when you're mobile, you're not doing all the crazy stuff you need to be doing there. And even if you were, you could probably learn how to do it on a Mac, but for having iMessage on there and everything, my buddy just ordered that same, uh, he got the MacBook pro 13 inch M1
0: and his, it was only 1300 bucks. Um, yeah. so, you, so not it, bad. 256 with a gig of RAM. You can get that for 99, 999. Can you? Is that the air that might be the air, uh, I don't know. Listen, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a Mac guy, don't ask yeah. any Mac questions. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the M1 ship is, is was, pretty cool, though. I was throwing stuff out, just hoping you knew what I was talking about. I, yeah, I, but it's got me kind of thinking, like, you know, I got some Bitcoin money in my pocket, and you know, I'm kind of like, oh, you oh, know, new Mac, oh, this would be pretty great. Like, for like, in it's Sarah just, would steal it, yeah, you're probably right, because
1: it's just slick.
0: Yeah, I would, I'd do what Ed did and I'd buy the, I think he bought the 512 uh, 16 gig model. Yeah. It doesn't have the, the, the track bar, not the, not the way they, that's not what they called it. What was the bar? Oh, a touch I, bar. Touch bar. So
1: this must be the air that you're talking about.
0: Okay. Because yeah. the
1: pros all have the, the touch bar. I
0: think, I think it's the air. Yeah. 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 Yep. Again, you, I, I know nothing about Max. This is, but I'm, but in, the, he was telling me about this and I'm like, oh. Well, this mm-hmm. sounds interesting. You know, this could be, this could be a nice little piece of equipment that yeah. I probably would never use just to be. I, honest.
1: Um, maybe yeah. We because mine. Or- luckily, Hannah started teaching, so I didn't feel bad about my laptop purchase because we have a. Re- I mean, it's, I don't I can't remember how many years old now it is. Two or three years old Mac laptop. Uh, that now she it's her dedicated laptop for teaching. Cause, so I didn't feel as guilty building this nice gaming yeah. rig.
0: Uh, Tony, um, Tony says M1 with Parallels running Windows. No, I don't think you can run Windows yet on it. I don't think um, Parallels is working from what I've heard. I don't think that emulation is, they've got that all the way down yet. Um, but I, I, this is going to sound blasphemous, Mike. Listen, I, I'm apologizing in advance. I wouldn't run Windows. Like if I'm going, if I bought a Mac, I would, I'd go native. I'd go, Yeah. I'd go, I'd figure it out. Like I would learn because you're right. Like what I would need it now. So you got me thinking like what I need it for. If I was going to replace the studio PC, I could totally use that to replace exactly what I'm doing right now. I do this, which is browser based. Mm -hmm. So works on um, the machine. Yeah. All this stuff, all this gear that I have will plug into it just fine. Uh, I could get a dock for it or something to run these monitors because I would want to run down here. I'd want to run the monitors. Yeah, uh, and I want to get uh, get get that off the. It's t- laptop screen's a little too small. Um, and I would need it to. Oh, well, let's see. I use Audacity. I think they have a Mac version of that, so that 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 would probably work uh, just fine. Um, man, everything else I do. Oh, well, I do some video editing, so I would need to learn.
1: Oh, iMovie is like the easiest thing that ever. Yeah. I Thanks use free
0: maker and yeah. I would I, would, I would switch over. So I may have to learn one app. Everything else is in the cloud, right? I move an M- I move that AIF file to Alphonic and it makes it an MP3 for me. That's yep. all on the web. And Audacity would, works on Mac. I know that. I've ran it. Like I listen, I, I wouldn't, I mean, and I surf the web. Like I wouldn't really use and it would integrate with my phone and my watch you might really like it. Cause then it's totally undockable too. go upstairs
1: and you want your full, you just want to lay in bed or sit on the couch with Sarah or something, or you're out in the back patio having a candle. Then, you know, you can have your full, you could have your full suite on
0: that machine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There was one more topic I wanted to bring up real yeah. quick before we wrap up. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but if you guys are unraid users, Unraid, go to their blog. Their top post right now is about how the ultimate Unraid dashboard uh, has been updated. So there's these guys that maintain a Grafana dashboard for Unraid, and it is amazing. And like dropped it simple to install. You just need the telegraph docker. Grafana Docker, and InfluxDB. And if you in this post from Unraid, they actually have a link to the guys who make it and just a step-by-step how to install it. But I'll share my screen just super quick and show you like my favorite part about this. So I you, you can get it up and running in seconds. If you have Unraid, I'd suggest just, just putting it on there. And the coolest part for me is up top, it connects into the UPS. So if you have a UPS on your machine and it's connected via USB, So it's pulling in how much power it's using. Now, my UPS is running my entire server rack. So it's actually even cooler. So this is the energy usage for my server. Well, up top, you just plug in like how much kilowatt per hour price in your area. And so this is actually a running. So so this has only been running for two days. But since then, it's calculating what your average usage is so far. What have you used? Obviously, CPU usage is something you get on the main dashboard with Unraid. But some of the things you don't, that you kind of get built in, baked in here. So you get your growth of your array per day, per year. So how much data have we been adding to that array? Kind of tells you your average. Okay, per year, how much have I been adding? Uh, So like today, I actually, I I deleted some files. So I went down. Um, But then over the course of the week, I've added a few gigs, you know, and then gives you all of say, all your disk data, everything you need, but just, just really cool. Some of the big updates is they added and I haven't gone it. Cause I really don't need it. Cause I used to but you can add in all your Plex, um, monitoring here as well. But this was like a one click install. You literally just install Telegraph. You in Grafana, they have the, uh, you just plug in the number they have with Grafana, like the template, and it pulls right in. And I just, I loved it. I thought it was uh, super cool, super easy. If you're an unraid user, you might as well fire it up. Those things take no CPU at all. So having those Dockers running extra. Um, and then you can access that from anywhere because it's browser-based. So you're just pulling up that dashboard uh, wherever you want. Uh, I even, of course, had to go and, and put it into my reverse proxy. So I can now access that from my URL, from anywhere. So uh, if I ever am back in the office at work, I can check in uh, and on my machine. So I thought
0: it was really cool. Wait a minute, Weger, You're telling me that looks better than this. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, in I, some I, ways it does, some ways it doesn't, right? Like I, there are, mo- for the most part, the Unraid dashboard is so clean and easy. I like that.
0: It really is. This is, when I remember coming to Unraid and being like, oh, this looks super cool, right? You know? You yeah. So, um, but, It's you the know,
1: extra stuff, right? It's the UPS monitoring. It's the. Yeah.
0: Will, it, will it monitor two UPSs? If I plug in both USB, will it find both of them? That's a really good question. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I want to, I need to, I need them both. Like I need a cause I, today I just have like one UPS powers everything on this side of the desk. The other UPS um, covers everything in the rack. And well,
1: just, just plug one UPS into the other and then monitor the, the top of the chain and you'll get data from both.
0: Just burn it out. Just burn it out. I got to replace the batteries one of them is down to, like, three minutes. You know, I got that message, like, it tests okay. But it's like, you got three, if this thing goes bad, you got three minutes, which is not enough, right? So I bought two batteries, but I got these processes running, you know, Ken and I are working on this, this, this farming. And I got these processes, I don't want to shut off the processes, because, like, you know, know, so you're like, well, okay, so I'm kind of waiting for a catastrophic failure. (laughs) So that I'm like, okay, I better change the batteries while I'm at it. Um. Uh, Mike said I should stop rationalizing and just buy the Mac. So I might, I might, I gotta think about this. This Because, let's, I'll be honest, the Studio PC is a 6-year-old, 4770, Core i7, 4770. It's a good computer. It's got 16 gig of RAM. But, man, compared to that, like, I always build my computers, but this would give me an opportunity to just put it in on maybe one of the best chips we have seen. Yeah. In a long time. You know? I, I think it's a, I think
1: it's a really good option. Something you should definitely consider. It's
0: media. Like it's a, it's a meat, like that's all I do on it is media. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. Well, uh, you would well, just,
1: the only thing you would be in hub city, right? Cause those, I think those MacBook airs only have two USB type C yeah,
0: so i would have to get a. would
1: have, to, so get a have to get some sort of dock right and those aren't cheap on the mac side so factor that in but Nothing's cheap Uyghur. no nothing is cheap on. well I, and I, you wouldn't even get the one directly through apple but you know even just right. like the there's a lot of different brands out there speaking of that have you bought any mac safe stuff for your phone uh no so i still just have the wallet i need i want to get the charger just to try it out because no. i don't know if you've seen the car the the vent mounts and stuff you can get on amazon are ingenious they just they take the actual charge that you already have and kind of put it in there so all it is is essentially a mold i know i need to do it i need to stop i'm never in my car i know that's my problem that's why i'm not motivated to do it i take the boys to school in the morning come back and like that wasn't it's not even long enough of a
0: distance for me to put my phone up anywhere it's 50 at the end of the day like i i don't i'm like why would i even charge this thing like it's It's just fine. Great phone, by the way. Thank you for making, thank you for giving me the opportunity to buy it when we did. So works well. I've been liking mine too. Well, we'll do some post show, but uh, thanks for, if you've stayed this late, you're, you're probably in the top 1% of our engaged listeners that are out there. Thanks for doing that. Big thanks to our Patreon folks that, uh, that support us at a $5. There's a few of you who are less than that, by the way, don't, don't feel like you have to go five bucks. If you're going to jump on, on the bandwagon now, It is $5 to get in. But we appreciate you. And thanks for doing that as well. Thanks for all those guys uh, that do that. And uh, we appreciate you. Your name is scrolling now on the video. So if you want to see it, you can. I mentioned everybody um, a little bit earlier. Big thanks to Christian over at Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. And you know that's Christian. He's doing a bang-up job. And uh, certainly, the average guy at TV is lightning fast. And so head over to Maple Grove Partners dot com plans start as little as ten bucks a month that gets you a ton for ten bucks five more bucks I think get you email and uh, he'll get you set up and get you rolling uh, in, in a great kind of way if you want to join us in the Discord group theaverageguy.tv/slash Discord um, if you want to leave a message for the show we'd love some funny messages by the way so if you have a little humor in you we'd love to break up the show with your comments. So you can do that super easy now. Head over to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. There's a little microphone in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on it and leave your message. We, I'd actually take some Baba buoys. You know, I just, I, I, it would be kind of fun to intersperse you in with the show on this. This is something we're going to try here in 2021 to get you more involved. Many of you are already involved in a great way in the chat room. And so um, thanks for doing that uh, as well. But if you want to leave us a message Homegadgetgeeks.com. Get that done. You can reach me, Jim, at the average guy.tv. Find Uyghur on uh, Twitter, although you don't use Twitter that much, do you? Uyghur tech. Uyghur.
1: I, I, I monitor a lot more than I actually tweet. So, yeah, but that's the best place to reach me publicly, I would say. So, yeah, if you want to tweet at me, uh, I monitor it all the time.
0: Super cool. And I'm at Jake Allison. If you want to do that, I, I'm in the same way. Uh, Tony, thanks for all the tweeting. Uh, if you want to follow, you should, you you got to follow A.W. Rainer. Like there's <laughs> no better, there's no better, uh, a uh, tweeter. I'm always curious to
1: see the notification pop up for what picture. Cause I like my facial expression in some of them is
0: <laughs> it's, it's either good or real bad. Yeah. He's, he's the best at tweeting the show. I love it. He gets the best tweeter award from us as well. We are live every Thursday, 8 PM central, nine Eastern out here at the average slash live. We appreciate you guys that come out live. If you can't come out live, thanks for listening to the recording. Thanks for staying this long in uh, in what we do. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday with some more updates as well. <laughs> Mike and I are actually having a ton of fun at the moment. I think, Mike, to be honest, this is the most tech you and I have done together <laughs> in a while. Like, for yeah. whatever reason, we've kind of caught the bug again, and it won't yeah. last forever. Uh, we'll get Aaron back and, you know, we'll get we'll get all the other guest hosts back on. But it's been kind of fun um, since you brought up Home Assistant. It's been kind of fun to just kind of crush it. So I've been...
1: It spars those different topics too, right? Like you're you're diving back into upgrading your Unray box, which gets you into what, what kind of adapters do I need? And oh, do I need a new computer? Like it, it's a whole chicken and egg scenario, which
0: you're right. I've been really enjoying too. Yeah, it's been good. We'll be back next Thursday with more of it. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.